Good morning, and welcome to Middle Church. My name is Kaliswa Brewster, and I do public theology and digital strategy here at Middle. You'll find the welcome in your program. Let us call ourselves to worship. Pray with me. We gather in this place in awe of you, Holy One in thin times and in times thick with joy. Through all the ups and downs of our lives, what we can count on is you. You are present, soothing, comforting, encouraging, supporting, inspiring, 
reminding us that we can do more than we imagine, reminding us that when we can do nothing, you still are God. Thank you for that blessed assurance. Draw us close to you and keep your eyes on us, God. We love you. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. I'm really glad to see you today. How are you doing? Okay, yeah. One of our one of our beloved said this morning, a lot of dead people. It is such a horrific, horrible, sad, tragic series of events, isn't it? So I just want you to know that my heart's broken, I know your heart's broken, and what gets me through a day like today is you. You here, you singing, you praying, you playing, you worshiping, you hugging. I need 89 hugs at the door, at least 89. But isn't it good to be in a place where we can feel all the things we feel, yeah? 
So please do that today, friends. Little people, young people, old people, all of us, just be you, do you. Uh, feel comfortable to express yourself. Um, Amanda's gonna give us a time of prayer where there's lots of space in that prayer for us to express ourselves. And just to center us a little bit, let's just all take a deep breath now. I'm gonna say lots of words of announcements by now, but I wanna just put some silence around it. I wanna tell you some good news today that um, even as we mourn the change in staff, um, wishing Bertram all good things, we have an interim care minister that is gonna work with us for a few months while we do our search. And some of you know him. His name is Chad Tanaka Pat. <laughs> Chad's a little bit in my sermon, so I'll save some of that, but yeah, <laughs> surprise. Uh, but I'm, we're so glad for just the moment in time where Chad can be here for us as we search. Um, we're thanks, so welcome home, Chad. Appreciate you so much. Um, there's a really beautiful program this afternoon, a documentary that's about the invisible people, people who are in recovery in churches, and we don't talk about it, so I'm really grateful for Sean and Amanda, and that's at noon downstairs in the community room. So. Um, feel free to do that. We're going to have a talk back right after the sermon, though, right in here, so we can just kind of keep airing out what we're feeling and doing and thinking about doing some actions together, okay? Um, I think I have a lot more to say, but let me just tell you that this is my, uh, this is my, uh, this is my opportunity to invite John. Come on, John. Before I say that other yes. thing. Yeah. Uh, hey, Metal, how you doing? together. I couldn't think of a, a better place to be in a moment like this. I just wanted to make an announcement. Um, I'm doing a series of workshops in August, basically for the gospel choir, but I've opened it up to folks who have expressed desire in being in the gospel choir, wanted to know about singing and technique and gospel repertoire and soloing and improvisation. So there's a series of six workshops for anybody who's interested. You can sign up for as many or as few as you want. And if you see me after worship, I'll give you the sheet. You do a little doodle poll and sign up, and that's all you have to do. But I just wanted to offer it to the congregation because we're looking to bring more people into the gospel choir, and this is a great way to do it, to just kind of see, does this work for me? Is it scary? Is it cool? Is it fun? Let me step in and see. So thank you. Our choir is, our choir is going to stay here uh, in our time of prayer, uh, and Amanda is going to be inviting you to stand in our time of prayer. So um, let us take a moment and offer our hearts and souls to our God who loves us. Yes, will you stand with me? And just a word as we move into a time of prayer, if you are worshiping with us online, Welcome, and we are having some issues with our Facebook and our website, but you can find us on our YouTube channel, so hopefully you can find us there. Today is one of those days when you see the worship bulletin and you see that you're supposed to lead a time of prayer, and you don't really have words to say because your heart is broken again and again and again, 
at the state of the world. So Jackie and I have been talking and, you know, in a, in a time when white supremacy still runs rampant in this country, in a time where it feels like we don't know what to say or don't, don't know what to do, we are reminded that the Spirit can speak for us and that when we don't have words to say, the Spirit will intercede for us and that God is with us and that God will speak with us. And so for today's prayer, I'm going to ask that you turn your bodies so that those that are watching online can feel like they are praying this with us. So if everyone can turn and face Second Avenue. And as we are present in this space, I'm going to ask John to lead us in a cry. Middle family, if you're comfortable, raise your hands in an act of receiving God and spirit in this place, in an act of receiving one another and the God in each of you. And now, middle family, I want you to cry out, to lament what it is that you are feeling right now. Anger. Brokenness.
hear these words found in Romans. All around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. It's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the pain. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant person. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, middle family, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. The spirit does our praying in us and for us making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. The Spirit knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. So now, middle, together, let us cry out to God in a spirit of expectancy, in a spirit of lamentation. Let us cry together on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh. Let us sigh again as we groan for a new way. How long, O oh Lord? How long?
Let us continue our prayer, praying the words that Jesus taught us to pray, which are printed in your bulletin. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. We're heartbroken, we're sad, we're scared, we're angry, but we're here. So let's use this time now to greet one another with the love of God that thank goodness surpasses all else. Let's greet each other now. today and my tomorrow 
Today's scripture lesson is from Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9 and 43. Listen for a word from God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those who redeemed from trouble and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them, th- let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word. This is the word from God. For the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say amen. Amen. Thank you, my little friends. I'm so in love with our kids. Aren't you in love with our kids? Say a prayer with me, please. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we listen for a word from you, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Everywhere you read a commentary about this psalm, it says it's its own sermon, suggesting you could just read it, and it would say what it's supposed to say. It's a sermon written by the psalmist about the chesed, the chesed, the steadfast love of God, written in a in a form to be used in a congregation like ours, people celebrating God's presence even though they're heartbroken. People celebrating what God can do, is doing, does do, even when they feel crestfallen. The people of Israel who are hearing this psalm, the person in Israel who wrote this psalm, isn't writing the psalm because everything is hunky-dory and special. The person writing the psalm is saying, even though we are a people who have been oppressed. Even though we are a people who have been captive, even though we are a people who have been snatched from our own land and sent to be strangers in a strange one, God is the source of our joy. God is the source of our redemption. The psalmist is saying that some of the people wandered in desert lands, hearkening back to the story of Exodus, Some of the people got tossed about in the sea, thinking about Jesus quieting the storm, thinking about God quieting storms. Some of the people got led by a crooked way, thinking about people worshiping idols and getting caught up in sorcery. Some of the people were hungry and thirsty, literally, for the thing to quench their thirst and make their hungry bellies stop growling. Some of the people were imprisoned, sitting in darkness and in gloom. Some of the people were bowed down by oppression and the weight of unemployment. Some of the people were watching their nation 
have an epidemic of gun violence. Some of the people were sitting in a context where racism and white supremacy was leading to death and destruction. Some of the people felt helpless and powerless. Some of the people felt confused and lost. And still, the psalmist prays, God is God. Yesterday, today, and always. It is really difficult sometimes to keep our eyes on God's steadfast love. Isn't it, middle family? I mean, we feel almost guilty and ashamed to admit that we're afraid and doubtful. We wonder where God is when bad things happen. We wonder if God is paying attention. We wonder if God has the power. If we're honest, we wonder how to make sense of it. Somebody with me? Surely the people that were running for their lives, surely the people whose lives were cut short, their families, are asking questions about the presence of a holy, loving other in the midst of times of violence. And I'm here to tell you today that our testimony about where God is still, still, still is in our hearts and on our lips. What I mean by that is think about the time when you felt for sure, things were not going to turn out okay. Just go there in one of your minds. And I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you about being married to somebody who I thought was amazing and wonderful, but he turned out to be a violent arsehole. I'll tell you that I was in love with him and the anger that I felt in him always felt to me that it was protective of me and directed toward others. I'll tell you that I was one of those women who didn't understand how women can be in violent relationships and just not get out. I'll tell you that his anger comforted me because it made me feel like he was strong and that it comforted me until he threw me against a wall. And I'll tell you that when he threw me against the wall, I knew I had to get out, but I didn't know how I was going to get out. But then I moved back to grad school to get out, and I took all my stuff with me, and he said, it looks like you're not coming back. And I went, oh, really? What makes you think that? Because I was afraid for my life. And I'll tell you then that I went to grad school, and I'll tell you that I stayed in grad school, and I got one of those divorces that I tried to make an annulment, but I got a divorce. And if I had not met the crazy man at Drew, and if I had not moved to Washington, D.C., if I had not been in Washington, D.C. in a dangerous liaison with a mean person, I would not have gone to work at the Alban Institute. And if I had not gone to work at the Alban Institute, I wouldn't know John. And if I didn't know John, I wouldn't be married to him. And if I didn't marry John, Joel and Gabby wouldn't know each other. And if I didn't marry John and Gabby and Joel didn't know each other, we wouldn't have fee. I cried out to the Lord in my anguish 
when I was married to the violent man? And the answer, the sideways, the crooked, not straight answer to the cry out was deliverance to middle church. Are you with me? I'm, I'm not, no, let me be really clear. I'm not saying that God put the violent man in my life on purpose. I'm not saying that I got thrown up against the wall because that was God's will. Everybody checking that. I'm not saying that. I am saying that the steadfast love of God was able to surpass that violent circumstance. And the steadfast love of God was able to guide me, push me, pray me, shape me into a world that turned out to be the best life ever. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if I hadn't, I, I, I applied to get into Princeton Seminary to do a PhD in psych and religion. I did not get in. I was so stupid, I was supposed to apply to the homiletics program and get in. But I applied to the psych and religion program and didn't get in. But because I didn't get into the psych and religion program at Princeton, I got into the psych and religion program at Drew. And because I got into the psych and religion program at Drew, I came to study middle church. Because if I was in Princeton, I wouldn't have known about this place. But I came to study middle church. And because I came to study middle church, I got to be your pastor. And I get to be here every day. I'm talking about the steadfast love of God that heard my cry. The writer of the psalm has the word cry almost as much as the word hesed. Everything that activates the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Mary, Leah, and Rachel is the cry of humankind to be delivered from our circumstances. That's the kind of stuff that activates the good enough love, the gentle love, the steadfast love, the always around you love of God. God hears our cry and opens the seas. God hears our cry and makes a way out of no way. God hears our cry, hears the cry of humankind and shows us a way to nonviolence and peace, delivers us to a circumstance that we can't even imagine. That's what I'm talking about. Chad had to come to the city to do some business the other day. Some house business, some rental business. Just happened to come by the office to say hello to me. Happened to hear me lamenting, crying, sad about this transition with Bertram. Happened to be in the room at the right time when I say, Chad, can you do this? And then Chad's like, uh, I think so. And then God delivers to us someone who can help us just in this time. And it helps Chad in this time. That's what I'm talking about. I'm trying to say God is. Always. Mending the broken. Always. Taking what's funky and hard. Always. Always. Crafting something else something more, something different, even in the worst of things, God is not causing them, but able to lift us up in them and help us to see something, some result that's better than we could ever have imagined. Do you hear me? The loss of a relationship and the door opens up to another one. The absolute way we cannot bear another shooting. Can you bear another shooting? Are we not finally at the, at the place where we're like enough? Amen? Amen? 
Don't let anybody talk about God's will involving shootings. That's not true. But God hears the cries of the wounded and hears the cries of the mourning and God hears our cries and is able to make a way for us to use that grief toward the healing of the world. If we'll do it. I'm not trying to rush you past your tears. I'm really not. And I don't have any simple answers for the absolute power of violence in the world to knock us off our, off our seats and decenter us. I am saying the very same God who heard the cries of her people in Israel and parted the seas and snatched them out of the jaws of Pharaoh's slavery, the same God who's able to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the lion's den, the same God who's able to raise up broken, sorrowful people and heal them is the same God at work today, able to use our bodies and our lives to use us in our sadness, in our horror, in our dismay, to use us to make this stop. I need that God today. I don't need platitudes, I don't need, I need practical God. I need practical God who knows how to show up in bad places and make something better, amen? I was thinking this morning, the psalmist's testimony that God is activated by our cries, that God is good enough, loving enough, present enough to show up when we cry, I wondered, is God crying? And I wondered if we who are the living body of God are supposed to answer God's cries now. I just wondered if the script is flipped, I just wondered if God is crying and God needs us. That's not good theology for some people, but it's working for me today. <laughs> like, can God do everything? Okay, yeah, but maybe God also is vulnerable and sad and brokenhearted and needs us to show up. How does that feel? If it's true, if it's true that we're partners with a holy other, if it's true that that one that we partner with is also capable of grief, surely she is crying today. And if it's true, then we might be able to offer a word of comfort to our God by doing some things. One thing we can do is to use our cellular phones, which are sometimes feeling like the devil these days, but there is a bill in the Senate stuck there it's S42, and it is a bill that is being stuck in Senate, but it would provide for um, universal background checks, even for unlicensed gun dealers. So I want to invite you to take out your phones. It's really okay. You don't have to, but you can. Take out your phone, and you can text checks. C-H-E-C-K-S, checks, as in background checks. T 
text checks to this number. Write it down on your bulletin. If you're not going to do it right now, 644-33. 644-33. Text checks to that, and you'll be automatically connected to your senator. And you can say, we need some background checks, honey. Or you can be like more formal. But you can say, let's pass this bill. Let's get this bill out of Congress. Will you do that? Um, because Amanda is Amanda, she tells us that Mitch McConnell's zip code is 40207. <laughs> so you could just run right past 10003 if you want to and go to 40207 and deliver the message directly to Mitch McConnell. How about that? Speaking of Mitch McConnell, the collegiate churches are working on a letter that will be up in our uh, social media in the next couple of days. We are asking Mitch to take this bill to the floor. And today, when you come up to take communion, you are able to sign your name on this beautiful version of the letter. And we'll send that with Amanda to his house next weekend when she's in Kentucky. I, I say to his house, where she's been and knows how to get there. And she promises to not throw eggs at it, but she will deliver this. And finally, today, as we listen to the cry of God, the heartbroken cry of God, we will give 10% of all of our offering that we raise today to every town. And every town is the, yeah, that's the uh, organization that Lucia uh, McBath helped start after her son, Jordan Davis, was killed. Um, My mom dated my dad in Omaha, Nebraska. They were dancing on an Air Force base till I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. They had a big, strong attraction. They did the thing. <laughs> they got pregnant. If they hadn't done the thing and they hadn't gotten pregnant, stay with me, sorry, Daddy, they wouldn't have gotten married. <laughs> Yes, I'm a preconceived notion. <laughs> if they hadn't gotten married and had me a month after the wedding, yes, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have five siblings. I wouldn't get to be in this community with you if my mom and dad hadn't done the nasty. This is what I'm talking about. God wasn't a, sitting around making puppets of Emma and Richard saying, go now, thou, and do the thing. No. Like, God wasn't also making me not get accepted to Princeton. No. Like, God wasn't also making me marry Violet Man. No. Right? Like, no, God didn't put those people in the nightclub and didn't put the people in the Walmart. Like, God didn't do that. That's just evil stuff. But what God can do and God will do, and we know it's true, is that God will use all the junk. Let all the junk move us, shove us, touch us, fix us, put us someplace where we can do the things that God needs us to do. That's God too. That's what God is like. So, I mean, I want to just scream 
I, I want to scream or I want to tell you everything's going to be okay. No, I'm not positive that every single thing is going to be okay. But I am positive that God is God yesterday, today, and always. And I am positive that God is going to raise up an army of lovers, of revolutionary lovers, who will, in fact, help heal the world. I believe that. And I believe you and I are that army. And I believe that all the things that happen in our lives are happening to prick us all into this movement. The families of those who are lost, the, the survivors of Sandy Hook, the, 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 the Republicans and the Democrats who will ultimately disown violence as a way of life. They will. The, the truth will set them free. All of us know what time it is, and we are being awakened. Somebody say, we're being awakened. We're just being awakened. We're being awakened. So God bless all of those families. God bless all of the lost. Yes, thoughts and prayers, and also rise up. Yes, yes thoughts and prayers, and also we've got to do something. I am so sick of it. I'm enlisting you. Let's do the things, okay? Amen. I'm sorry, Amanda. Back to the back. <laughs> well, we need a hug. That's right. Imagine all the times Jesus broke bread with his followers. Those Shabbat meals every Friday, celebrating Passover and Yom Kippur telling stories of God's amazing grace, laughing about the shenanigans of some child, and then imagining the morning after his death, and the morning after his death. Imagine the absence of the presence, and they still broke the bread. And they still shared the cup. They shared the hope that one day there would be no more violence, no more war, no more enmity. No more enmity. And they shared the hope that the presence was still present. We today who stand in the valley of the shadow of death, we hope. In fact, we know the presence is here with us. God is with us. We are emboldened by that truth. We are emboldened by our faith that nothing separates us from God, not even death. Mm -hmm. And so we come to this table for bread for the journey. We come to this table to drink the cup that quenches our thirst for righteousness.
This is the bread of life, broken for you and for me. And this is the cup of blessing, poured out for you and me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, it in itself is an act of defiance because we are defying the power of death. It is an act of resistance. We resist the power of hatred and racism and we declare the power of love for it is in love that we are called through to heal the world. Let us pray. Holy One, we thank you for feeding us on your word and with this holy meal. Thank you for your presence in the midst of all the things. Make us instruments of your peace. We pray this in the name of love. Amen. 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 So we are going to take our communion this morning um, in the old-fashioned way, through intinction. Um, we've got little helpers and big helpers. We'll hold cup and hold bread. We come from different traditions. This is unusual for some of us and right at home for others. But you'll take bread and you'll dip bread in cup and you'll take the bread into your mouth. In some traditions, we drink from the cup. Let's not drink from the cup today. We can another time, but today let us just intinct. And um, we go from the back to the front, from the outside in. That's not true. We go from the front to the back and the outside in. Please stand. And the ushers will help you. And as you come by, please feel free to then sign letters left and right. letter.
Morning, Middle. I first walked through those doors on 2nd Avenue into Middle Collegiate Church 14 years ago. And I remember being completely amazed. I never knew that a church like this could exist. Maybe some of you have similar stories to tell. After a year, I joined the church. And one of the reasons why I joined the church is because Middle not only preaches justice, Middle practices what it preaches. Today, 14 years later, I'm so grateful that Middle has only deepened and strengthened its commitment to justice. Middle stands up for gun control. Middle stands up for immigrants and for the rights of asylum seekers. Middle stands up against racism and against white supremacy, and I'm so grateful for that. Today, more than ever, our nation, our world, our city needs a movement of justice like the movement that is going on right here, right now at Middle Collegiate Church. Right now, dear friends, the world needs middle. And guess what? In order to make this movement happen, middle needs you. Will you join us? Will you join us as we stand up together? Will you join us as we pray together, as we sing together, as we dance together? Will you join us as we love together? To find out more about what it means to be a part of the movement at Middle, please come and speak with Amanda or me after worship. We'd be happy to answer your questions. We'd be happy to pray with you if you want. You know, we do that sort of thing around here. Another way to be a part of this movement is through the offering of our time, our talent, and our treasure. As Jackie mentioned, 10% of our donation today will be given to every town for gun safety. You can read more about all the many different ways to give here at Middle in your worship bulletin. You'll also see a note about there in there about our annual giving goal, which is basically a way to help us be accountable to each other in our financial giving. Thank you all for your generosity. Let us give with glad and generous hearts.
Let us pray. Holy One, we know you are God. We give you thanks for your ever-abiding presence with us in times of grief, in times of anger, in times of working for justice. You are with us every move we make, and we give you thanks. Receive these offerings along with all of the gifts of this community. Help us to use them with wisdom and with courage as we ever seek to move forward in your path of truth, of peace, and of justice. We give you thanks, O God. Amen.
Thank you. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Allison. It's a joy to watch you conduct. Where'd she go? Thank you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's horrible. It sucks to use the colloquial. It's terrible. And I think God is still God every day. Not causing this junk, absolutely not. They call that theodicy, whether a good God lets bad things happen. Bad things happen. I think it's the unleashed doo-doo in the universe. That's what I think. Bad things happen. And God is God. A man named Glenn, last name Amanda? Glenn Oakley. Standing across the street from the shooting at Walmart, ran into ran into the gunfire to save as many children as he could. What's that? Just God being God and using an innocent bystander to go and do some good thing. I think we're all called to run into the gunfire. Not run into the gunfire, but run into the gun violence. You with me? Run into the hatred. Run into the white supremacy. Run into the difficulty, we're called to run into the hot mess, guys, and help God answer the cries of God's people. Are, are you feeling that? We can do this. We must do this. There's so much at stake. And love is the only way, the only antidote to hatred is love. So let's go in the world, revolutionary lovers, with our grief, with our pain, with our heartbreak, no one's asking you to pretend like you don't hurt, but let's also find a way to partner with our grieving God. There's a sermon talk back after if you'd like to stay. I love you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you.